0: fiend seats himself at the controls, grasps the magic knobs, and peers out into the darkness of the cosmos. He is at the controls of the 707 of life, <laughs> and is ready to play upon your psyches as upon a vast Wurlitzer organ of existence. <laughs> oh, the chief is on hand. Yeah. He is the star of our show, the man you've been waiting for. choo choo You know, the funniest unconscious idea, the unconsciously funny, I might say hello test. The, the the funniest unconscious bit of humor I've heard in years is the announcement that was made the other day that there would be a musical called uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's a fun music musical starring Kirk Douglas. It kind of adds a little soup song of uh, humor to it, see? And that opens up whole new vistas of ideas for musicals. I mean, fantastic vistas. And uh, I've got a great a new idea for a musical. If, if you're listening, David Merrick, I would like to sing one of the tunes that me and my uh, partner Sammy wrote up for this big musical. You'll have to make excuses for my voice, but uh, uh, we got an idea for a musical here. See, the curtain comes up. You can see the curtain rising up. You see all these file cabinets, see, in there? Bert Reynolds, that's where it says. I am Daniel Ellsberg. I stole the Pentagon, Pentagon papers. Yeah. Oh, I am a hero of the left. I'm a darling of the hippies. My mother, she calls me Danny every night, long distance from Brooklyn. I am Daniel, Daniel Ellsberg. Why? Stole the Pentagon, Pentagon Papers. Yeah. And I ain't sorry. I'm glad that I did it. And I do it. Yeah, I do it all over again. Oh I, I am a good guy. Nothing but clean thoughts, yeah Me and my friends Oh, I am Danny, Danny Ellsberg Yes, and I stole them bad old Pentagon papers I called the managing editor of the Times New York Times And I told him I got a great thing Story. Yeah. Uh, at this point, there's dancing. See, Dan, we, I want to listen to this, Mr. Merrick. See, we come out dancing, and all these chicks are holding up big signs to say all the news that's fit to print. It's fantastic. And at that point, Debbie Reynolds comes out, and she's playing Pat Nixon. And Bert Reynolds looks over at her. Remember, he's playing Danny. And he sings, Why oh, I, I Hate. I hate war. Yeah, I don't like all that shooting and that bombing, all that bad bad bombing. What I like is P E A C E peace peace peace. My name, oh I repeat, is Danny Ellsberg. Now they call me, they call me Daniel in some quarters, but they don't know me like my friends know me, and they call me Danny. I want you to call me Danny, gang. I'm Danny. I'm Danny, little Danny Ellsberg. Now, tonight, at this point, Mr. Merrick, see, there's a lot of newsreels come on. You see a lot of people demonstrating and all. It's fantastic visual effects, and we have fireworks going off, all that. And uh, you see Gene Fonda come out on the stage. And by the way, we got a great girl. we got the, we got Julie Andrews to play Gene in this thing. It's fantastic. better are already in the contract, see. At that point, Bert turns to her and says, he says, he's down on one knee. Yeah. Oh, I see Oh, I say, I say I want you to all get behind me. I don't want nobody to misunderstand me at all, at all. I've always read the good old times, and they've been wonderful, so wonderful to me. Oh, me and my friends. i going to entertain you tonight, folks. We're going to sing and dance talk about all those good things like truth and beauty, and peace and war. But remember, but remember! Well, see how you like that. You kind of like that? Yeah, great idea for a musical. would be a fantastic musical. You listening, Mr. Merrick? I know who could play the lead. I am Danny Ellsberg. And I sold them old Pentagon Papers. Just a lot of... Just a lot of paper, but oh, what a stir it caused. A lot of the And by the way, you ought to see the second act. I'm not going to tip my hand because there's a lot of writers for Milt Kamen listening. And I ain't going to tip my hand, but let me say this. Fantastic. Any of you out there would like to hear the second act? Would you like to hear the second act? No, we'll keep that. Don't you Don't you think that's a fantastic idea, though, Uh, uh... uh, you know, Kirk Douglas playing Dr. Jekyll. And stuff. I wonder what he sings when that stuff bubbles. You know, that'd be a fantastic moment. Would you give me a maybe we'll we'll, uh, we'll preview that. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I can just see what it's like. <laughs> yeah, folks. My name is Jekyll. They call me Doc. My name is Dr. Dr. Jekyll. I'm a mad scientist. I cook up all kinds of bad stuff. And watch me when I mix up this little itty-bitty boo. Yeah! (laughs) Ho-ho-ho! You watch this now, folks. My name is Dr. Jekyll. Sometimes in the low dives of London they call me Mister Hyde, but that comes later in the second act. Oh, I dream, I dream of eternal life, like Mister Garrett. I dream of becoming some kind of real big monster. Yeah, I wander... The streets late at night. And I'll be wearing my checkered. My checkered case. Oh, they call me. Oh, they call me Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Now we may we may sound like a second rate audible team to you. But really, we're a literary, a classic, classic, classic. Oh, they call me Dr. Jekyll, and they call me Mr. Mr. Hyde. At this point, there's a scene, see, Mr. Merrick, in this fantastic laboratory. You got all these chorus girls playing test tubes, and all these bubbles are coming out of their heads. At that point, Kirk dances out, see, he's wearing that red cape, and he sings. The time, the time has arrived <laughs> to drink my magic potion. Yeah. I'll put just a little drop of this goo goo here, this little old test tube here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look at that. It's bubbling up. And at this point, we'll do a little titration. And add just a little wee drop of sulfur hydrochloramide. And then we'll stand back and watch it bubble. Oh, yeah. Just like Alka-Selsey. It'll bubble. And it'll steal. And it'll hiss. <laughs> and now, yeah. And now I'll drink it. Here we go, folks. I'm going to drink it down. I'm going to drink it down. Here I go. <laughs> I'm Mr. Hyde. Yeah, I'm Mr. Hyde. Look at all that hair all over my head. Hey, I got claws. Now I'm coming out of you. I'm Mr. Hyde. I used to be Mr. Jekyll. No, I'm Mr. Hyde. Yeah, I'm a killer. I used to be this doctor walking around, listening to the peoples with them stethoscopes, but now I'm Mr. Hyde. And, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have this chick sitting right on my knee and I'm gonna just wa! Yeah. Oh, right. well, you can call me. You can call me Mr. H-Y. Y-H-Y-D-E. Hyde, Hyde, Hyde. that's the name. Baba do 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 baba. Or oh, they call me Mr. Hyde. I'm Mr. Hyde, and I ain't Jekyll tonight. I've been drinking all that, all that jazzy Google with the bubbles, and I'm gonna come out after you. I'm walking the streets tonight. Yeah. Oh, I say to you, I say to you, friends, life can be cruel when you're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mr. Hyde. And we shuffled off to Buffalo, singing our song, playing our banjos, carrying our little bag of tricks. Good night, folks. Gee, that was great. That was fantastic. Oh, I shuffle off to Buffalo. Rinky dinky, Rudy toot toot tooty toot. Oh, vow to vow, dee doo dee doo doo. Did you like that? Well, I, I want to hear a little applause. I mean, when you're singing out there on the stage with Gwen Dunn behind you, you expect at least a smattering of polite applause. Would you please give me a little cheering from the al- from the balcony there, please? Hey, hey. That's right, fine. That's what it's all about. It's <laughs> showbiz. This is WOR New York. Boy, that's kind of catchy. I'm Danny. I'm Danny Ellsberg. Isn't that kind of great? Uh, listen, we have a couple of little commercials here. So sit upon my knee, and I'll tell you... I'll tell you about General Tires. You need any of them? Yeah, well, you know, if that thump is starting in the back of your car again, I suggest you see your local General Tire headquarters, because they're handled. Yeah, they'll handle all your tire and automotive service needs, quickly and economically. They'll do everything except make the payments in your car. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> Wouldn't that be groovy? Remember, from sports cars to sedans, compacts to limousines, General makes the tires you need. And at prices, even you, poor old you, can easily afford. You can choose from rayon, nylon. It sounds like uh, you're buying a pair of socks. You can choose from rayon, nylon, At polyester cord. That's the new stretch tire constructions. Glass-belted new car tires. They're beautiful. And they're so nice and round. They're really nice. You look for the big red General Tire G for these lovely tires. And in Freeport... Is that that place down in the islands where you do all that gambling? I mean, out in the Caribbean, is that it? <laughs> in Freeport, ask for John or Jack Miles, J&J Miles Rubber Company, 160 East Merrick Road. Is that named after David? Is that Merrick Road named after the big one? The big Merrick? The big Merrick in the sky? The big M? Oh, I am Danny Ellsberg. Rinky tinky 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 tink. And I eat every night at the house of chan. And I dig all that sweet and sour. Wonton soup. Rooty doot, rooty-dooty-doo doo. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Oh, well, I can do that to anything. You, you you want me to do a commercial there? give me that music again, please. Uh, I'll sing the I'll sing the House of Chan commercial for you. Just bring it on. Just bring it on real good. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's mysterious, see? Oriental oh, yeah, no music. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, hi, I... I eat every night at the house of Jim. I love that soup. And I always go to 7th Avenue up at the second Street. <laughs> I want it there. <laughs> that thing is running out. <laughs> Well, all kidding aside, they have great food at the House of Chan. And they're one of the best Chinese restaurants, Oriental type, uh, in the in the entire city. And they're at 52nd and 7th. They've been there for 35 years. And they're getting tired of waiting for you. 35 years shifting from one foot to the other. Waiting for you to get down there. They got a bar. The food is good. They're open seven days a week. And if you're going to a show or something, you know, if you're going to go see the, the Ellsberg papers with the incidental dialogue by Neil Simon... I would suggest that you go down there and just tell them you're going to the theater and they'll have that stuff ready for you. It's good. House of Chen, seven days a week and are open to midnight. Fifty-second and Seventh. Hey, listen. Speaking of uh, great musical events, we have to salute a. Uh, we do. We just we just have to salute fellow victim. Uh, you know, once you get bitten by the kazoo bug, there's just no turning back. I. I've seen people, uh, I've just seen people lose their homes, their families, their wives divorce them, lose their job, because they have an insensate desire to play the kazoo at the wrong moments. Did you read what happened, uh, in the Kingman, Arizona, of all places? I mean, you know, you, 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 you've seen scenes, you know, in the Old West? That's in the Old West, you know. Kingman, Arizona, you know? You know who Kingman was, don't you? I wasn't Don Kingman, the painter. Oh, no, this was a bad gunman. Played out there in Arizona years ago. He was a, even a better shot than Jack Polance. and uh, <laughs> and you know you, you you know how it is in the Old West. You've seen millions of movies of the Old West where the guy walks into the Silver Dollar and they have the, you know the guys are all sitting around playing uh, Old Maid. Isn't that isn't that what they play? What what is that card game they're always playing? Those guys with the black hats. Old Maid. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Old Maid. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, uh, yeah, well that's what they I, I don't know what what is the card game they play out there, Lee? Don't what are you reading, so You don't know what game it is. Well, you know that the gunfights always break out over you don't know what game they're playing there. Pittsburgh Rummy, of course. That's what they play. And uh, you know, I I why well, I know all these things. I don't know. I mean, it's just I wish I didn't. Uh, it would help me a lot. But uh, just the other day, a little drama. The old West broke out in Kingman, Arizona, in a pool room. Now, you you know pool rooms. uh you associate that with Jack Polan, you know, shooting it out with Gary Cooper, right? Well, Michael Burke walked tall and thin, lank, mean, wearing his Levi vest, you know, the whole bit, and his spurs clanking, walked into the sportsman's tavern in Kingman, Arizona and accidentally dropped his kazoo down one of the pockets of the coin-operated pool table. He dropped his kazoo down the pocket of a coin-operated pool table. I, I think of this for a minute. And what he did, then, of course, he did what any good kazoo player would do. I mean, you don't lose your kazoo that quick. You know, that's where they got that expression, you know, blow it out your own bazoo. And I used to say to my mother, she used to say that, to blow your own bazoo, nobody will blow it for you. And I used to say, Ma, it's kazoo. She said, well, the way I heard it, it's bazoo. So we never did straighten that out. But uh, nevertheless, Michael Burke, I wonder if that's the guy that owns the Yankees. I hope he... Uh, you know, with all the hanky-panky that's going on in the fishing staff there with the Yankees, I uh, hope this isn't the forerunner of the season to come. You know, uh, <laughs> you've been raring about that hanky. But you, know, you know, I am a Yankee left-hander, and I'm as cuckoo as a Jaybird, as they all are. Oh, I say to you, they ought to ban left-handed pitchers from the league. Here we go. <laughs> We're at the. Two, 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 two. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just signed the contract with the Yankees. And I'm a left-hand left-hander, and I come out of I come out of Utah. And I got a mean curve. Yeah, I got a nice spitter. Yeah. And I got a kind of good change of pace. And I'm a left-hander with the Yankees. Now I'll tell you this years ago, I married this little old gal when I was playing guitar. And played a banjo in a little place down in Canymede City, Illinois. And I went up, uh, I went on the road, learned to play ball. And now, 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 oh, I'm, I am a Yankee left-hander. And I'm having a hell of a lot of fun. Life as a Yankee left-hander can be exciting. And I'm glad. I'm very glad I got a damboo hood lawyer. Yeah. And I said Yogi, I want to play with the Yankees. That's where the, where the action. Action is. I'm glad I'm not a Pittsburgh pirate. And I said to my old roommate, also a left-handed pitcher for the Yankees. I said to him. Daddy, let's stir up the pot a little bit. Now he's kind of good old boy, chew's gum, Not a bad slider, pretty good change of pace. Ain't no control, but That's censored. do 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 Ba-ba-da-doo. Oh, here comes the... Oh, I am a Yankee, and I wear that big number 12. I got a suit with pink, pin, pinstripes, pin and I read the sporting news every day. And I watch out, make sure that I ain't gonna lose no pay, because I'm a Yankee, Yankee left-hander. Last year, my record was three 4 14... I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to push down that old E-E-E-R-A. Ba, 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 da, 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 da. I'm a Yankee left-handed. And our family life is exciting. Yes, sir, I say to you, Michael Burt. If you don't know what action is, come down to the bullpen. That's where it's happening. Oh, I am a Yankee, left-hander, boo And I got lots of friends on the staff. Boo-boo-doo. I know a shortstop, an outfielder, and two first basemen. And a couple of guys been sent out of Richmond, but. Hey, I know that. That's a good tune. That's even better than The Bear Missed the Train. Replete with meaning. I'm a Yankee left-hander. Oh, wait a minute. You haven't heard the rest of the story. Guy dropped his kazoo down into that uh, that corner pocket. Well, what did he do? What what, what what would a good kazoo player do at that point? Well, he did what? Yeah, he just reached right in. He reached in for the kazoo and his hand stuck in the pool table. Well, they hollered around, yelled, especially since there was a game going on at the time. <laughs> and there was a little unpleasantness in the uh, silver dollar sportsman's tavern. And then suddenly the fire sirens in the community of 7,200 screamed, bringing out the town's volunteers. Armed with axes, firemen took just a few minutes to break open part of the pool table and free Michael Burke's by then swollen hand and his precious kazoo. Burke was happy. But the tavern owner said that he would charge him 750 bucks, which is the cost of a brand-new Brunswick bulky colander standard coin-operated pool table. Why, oh, give anything for my art, razzmatazz. <laughs> oh, I can see him explaining that at home. You know? You know, I, I don't know why it is. Uh, you know, it's, it's just some nights uh, great stuff happens, and uh, you got to be on hand when it happens. Is there anybody out there would like to invest in my uh, my new musical, the El- the, the uh, Pentagon Papers? Anybody out there? Just give us a call here at the station. We'll enlist you. We'll we'll uh, you know. And, and I'll tell you this: if you, if you if you invest in it, you can at least be there on the opening night. That's probably as long as the play would last. But what do we care? Think of the fun we'd have. I mean, knowing all them chorus girls, you know, running around chasing them up and down the aisles out there in Philadelphia, places like that, you know. Oh, I am Danny Ellsberg. Think, 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 In the last act, you have this jury, see, and uh, it composed of uh, you know a whole lot of dancers and stuff. And it, we'd have Michael Kidd or somebody like that or Gower Champion choreograph the jury, and they would all come out, you know. And uh oh, gee, I, it's just an exciting idea, you know. And the heavy, of course, you'd have to have heavies. We got, we already got the heavy. You know what a heavy is, of course. Who? Oh, no, 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 not Nixon. No, no. No, you got to get a real heavy. You get the... Uh, I, I, I've got Sid Caesar lined up. And uh, Caesar comes out and uh, plays the chief of staff. See, and he has the temerity to accuse... You know, I, 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 we've got it. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be good. Really good. Really good. It's going to be a good show. Now, by the way, speaking of good shows, we'd like to salute the little cultural development in Albany, Georgia... Of all places, Albany, Georgia, cultural development, owners of a cable TV company are still scratching their heads. And we're quoting here a UPI bulletin about, quote, a very explicit silent stag movie that they gave their subscribers gratis in the middle of the Rookies TV series last night. Now, you've seen the Rookies. I mean, any of you guys that are cops out there, did you ever see a funnier show in your life than the Rookies? Those guys are running the whole police department. They're all rookies, you know. You <laughs> see that? <laughs> but uh, it's kind of nice. They jazzed up the, uh, you know, the second part of the show right after the commercial when it kind of sags in the middle sometimes. You know, when the guy's wife, the rookie's wife, is always captured by the kidnappers. And, uh, you know, they got to fly him in. All shows today, the mandatory mandatory thing in every show today has to, be, has to have a helicopter scene. You know, every show, every show, it's a helicopter scene. It's important. And uh, you know, at that point, of course, uh, there's a, there's an old uh, TV Hollywood uh, uh, rule of thumb. It says, when in doubt, what to do, pan to helicopter. See, a picture a helicopter. Even when there's no helicopter, you know, involved in the film, it's kind of good just throwing in there. So, uh, nevertheless, <laughs> so you know, at just at that moment when the when the uh, rookies is starting to sag, they threw in this great film. Now, if you you understand the cable television is not the same as a little secret thing. This is the whole area of Georgia was getting this fantastic film. Well, needless to say, I'm just sick about the whole thing. Peter Freehoff, manager of the television cable company, said today, and we quote him again, We know what happened, but we don't know exactly how or why it happened. We don't know where that damn film came from. All of a sudden, it just showed up, and I'll tell you this. Uh, Cablevision subscribers... In this area, I saw about 12 minutes of the incredibly fantastic blue movie, featuring two men and two women, involving in uh, certain gymnastics. It appeared over WDHN TV, uh, and it was very exciting. Mr. Freehoff would not comment where the stag film was being shown when it was accidentally switched into the circuit. He wouldn't say what they were showing it for. <laughs> Hi, George. An engineer was sitting on the board, see? He, he didn't know what was going on. He was just sitting there, you know. When all of a sudden, the phone rang, and he picked it up, and the viewer came on the line and said, What kind of filth are you running down there? I can't stand any more of this. At which point, for the first time in two and a half hours, the engineer looked up and saw what was on the monitor screen. At that point, he probably called everybody he knows and says, Hey, look what we got on here, friends. If you think TV is for kids, watch this. But uh, nevertheless, uh, they were a little disappointed in Albany, Georgia. They only received eight complaints. Well, I shouldn't wonder. I mean, with the general level of television, especially shows like The Rookies, probably most of the the viewers at that time were quietly in slumberland, you know, sitting there waiting for the next exciting Alpo commercial to come on. Let the biggest star today on TV is is uh, is Morris. You know that. You know Morris. He's bigger than, Vince Edwards ever was. His best days. Hey, hey listen. I'll ask you a bit of a bit of trivia. You you see all these uh, these uh, guys that are making these pitches every night for these uh, these so-called nostalgic great rock hits of the fifties and all that stuff. You know that stuff is growing all over television. It's like TV. Nighttime TV has developed a fantastic case of acne. It's on every channel all the time, you know. And uh, and uh, there's one guy that comes on and says, uh, I'm Ed Kooky Burns. And I went to this Ginchy. I went, oh, oh, no, he says, I used to go. You know, I used to go to dances like that, and they were the Ginchiest, whatever the hell that means. I was alive in the 50s. And I don't remember that phrase, the Ginchiest. No, well, that's a TV writer's phrase. And... Uh, you heard him say that? They were the Ginchiest. Oh, I'll ask you a, a trivia question. Uh, what uh, what show was Mr. Burns on where he got the name Kooky? And what was his occupation in the show? <laughs> now, that's really trivia trivia, I'll tell you. That was trivia while it was going on. I mean, uh, gee, yeah, yeah. What the? What is the date? Oh, for heaven's sakes, it is, isn't it? Oh, and no wonder I'm nervous tonight. Have you noticed the intense nervousness tonight? Not nervousness, jumpiness, and and a tendency to sing about bad stuff. You know, to take a very, a very uh, sardonic view of the world, right? Have you noticed that? Well, I'll tell you why this is so. Uh, this is the date, right? March seventh, correct? Would well, you know that this is the this is the anniversary of the day that I had one of the worst things that ever happened to me in my life happen. Marches. I knew there was something wrong with this day. You know what it was? Better not tell. Okay. Well, I better not because his kids listening. And I don't want to give any kids any wrong ideas. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happened this day. It was a very bad thing. Well, it, 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 uh, just like almost all of our, uh, major, uh, uh, traumas that occurred to us in our lifetime, this occurred when I was, uh, you know, just a kid, unable to fend off major traumas. At this point, I'll tell you, you know, they can drop, you know, the, I, I get hit by Sixth Avenue airmail every hour on the hour. Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, uh, who is the guy that says, we in garbage? Who is that? Yes, he says, we gentlemen in garbage. Well, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know much about New York, Sixth Avenue airmail express is when you get struck heavily about the shoulders with Sixth uh, Avenue garbage curled from the fourth or penthouse floor of some of the more elegant apartments along Sixth Avenue. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm walking along there and um, uh, I'm I'm uh, thinking about that. You know, I I don't suppose that matters to you, do you? I mean, uh, most of you don't know what garbage is. You realize, do you you know that he's not kidding? You know that the actual pronunciation is garbage. It's a French expression that came out of the Alsace region. And are you aware of why it is garbage? Well, the whole concept of garbage was created by a man called Monsieur Jean-Pierre Garbage, who was a gentleman from the Alsace region... Who created that concept at that point people had what they call middens yes uh, you know that very early in the early days of the caveman he did not have garbage as we know it he threw the clamshells out in the back of the cave and they were called midden heaps at no point were they referred to as garbage heaps and for years and years uh, the midden uh, well it really was a fallacy they call it now the midden fallacy for years the midden fallacy persisted until one day uh, somebody threw some potato peelings two heads of shad which incidentally was a popular fish in the Alsace region at the time two shad heads they threw some radish tops and uh, several cans that had contained pâté de foie gras this was hurled out of the out of the window of a of a château in a town in Alsace and underneath the window jean pierre Garbage was walking his dog. He was struck heavily by the various items that were hurled out of the window, and he "sacre blue! is what he hollered first. And uh, the guy looked down and says, uh, "Se quel?" and he says, "Garbage, garbage, manum de Plan garbage." At that point, the, it caught on. You know how certain certain fads catch on, and they began to call anything. They were sardonic at first. Anything you threw out of the window was called garbage. And now, of course, today, the word has filtered down through the various languages, and we know it now as garbage. It's not nearly as elegant, though, as garbage. So you can learn a lot from watching commercials. You just come to me. Did you know that there was a man, are you curious, that there was a man named Francois Johann Saxe, who invented the whole concept of sex? He was a Belgian, lived outside of Antwerp. And in fact, there is, yes, you know, prior to to, uh, roughly uh, 1814 that the concept of sex as we know it today was totally unknown. And that's why you find that sex is not even referred to in early Elizabethan dramas. There are are things called romps. There are things, uh, for example, uh, Bokashi's The Cameron does not even mention the word sex. It uh, talks about things like nightingales and abbesses and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. They never mentioned the word sex. It did not come into being until around 1814, when Augusta, sex, actually it was S-E-A-X-E, umlaut E. Uh, at, one, at one night, fantastic night in the spring of 1814, he discovered the whole concept of sex. And again, eh, curiously enough, since he spoke uh, both Flemish and French, He also spoke a little walloon. Uh, He he leaped to his feet and hollered, blue!" At which point the phrase became again. Uh, People used to say when they were uh, a little hanky-pank in the bushes, again, it was a sardonic remark, they were sexing or soxing it was called. Later, the word began to go through various various types of evolution. Today, we use the word sex. However, even masters and uh, whatever that chick is that he works with, uh, they don't even know this. But we have done considerable research here in this corner, these various uh, philological adventures, which is not the same as philately, which is collecting bottle caps. Uh, you know, things like knee-high bottle caps and, and uh, stuff like uh, marzipan chocolate and all that. But that's, that's beside the point. I seem to be boring you, Miss Brown. Well, that's the trouble with you. You're not a you, no. You, you always claim you always claim you're a student, and then when I start giving you information, you slowly fall asleep. Lean over sideways, and knock the phone off this hook there. So watch out. We want to have that phone completely ready, so that when uh, Mister Saltzman calls and fires me, he want to, he want wouldn't we'll be able to get right through, right, right in here. <laughs> we don't want to have him go through Jerry or any of them guys out there. Okay. But, oh yes, you want to know what happened on this night. I got the, sorry, I got off into these, uh, these, uh, esoteric, uh, ramblings here. No, I'm, I'm very serious about, uh, about the word garbage. And, uh, for those of you who can, care to look it up, uh, you, you'll find that he is in most of the really complete world encyclopedias. Garbage, Jean Pierre Garbage. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, that uh, the real history of mankind is rarely studied. Uh, but unfortunately, that's why most people are so bored with history. Because you, you, you do nothing but mess around with wars, you know. And, uh, I never could get excited over the Whiskey Rebellion. Although there was one hell of a Whiskey Rebellion in my Aunt Min's house one night when my Uncle Carl, well, that's another story, but he, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she did rebel, I want to tell you, through his teeth on the air shaft. But... Uh, it was all because of whiskey. Incidentally, his favorite whiskey, if you're curious, was uh, Jim Beam. Uh, yes, you know, uh, the whiskey of connoisseurs and serious drinkers. Uh, yes, Uncle Carl was that. And, uh, but, that, you know, uh, outside of that, I found history rather dull um, for the most part. You know, I, I, I remember getting a little excited when we arrived at that uh, period in history called the Era of Good Feeling, Uh You know, it it was so unusual that there was good feeling in the world that they've even made it a historical epoch. You notice that, the era of good feeling, which lasted for 27 minutes on a June afternoon in 1813, and has made all the history books. Yeah. Now, the president at that time was Marcel Polk. And uh, uh, actually, very very few of you know that his real name was Marcel. He was working in the White House under an assumed name because he knew anybody named Marcel would never get elected president at that time. Because Marcel meant a curling iron that you curled your hair with, you know, to Marcel your hair. And uh, that was a bad connotation at that period because Daniel Boone was still walking around. Anybody named Marcel was in trouble with a guy named Daniel Boone walking around. And Jim Bowie and, you know, John Wayne and all those guys were big in those days. So he changed his name to James Polk, which is a kind of a nondescript name. But it got him elected, which is better than your name. Look where yours has gotten you, you got fired from Macy's even. But uh, nevertheless, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, history was kind of a boring thing, see, and uh, so we, we kept wandering around the War of the Roses too. I, I never could figure out, you know, War of the Roses. We often have those. I live down in the village, and you see them once in a while on a Saturday night, yeah, throwing flowers back and forth to each other. And that's uh, Although generally it isn't roses that are used, uh, you know, they tend to run to nasturtiums down in the village. However uh, the uh, the facts of the matter are if the case were known history has been somewhat boring and dull now if you had a chance to, to study the life of Saxon and uh, you know and, and do, write an essay upon the epical night that he discovered sex that would make history exciting and uh, if you could discover uh, you, did you did you know what the guy's name I'll award you a brass figligie with bronze oak leaf palm if you can tell me the name of the guy that invented the toilet there was a guy that invented the flush toilet. He did. Fantastic name, too. Now, I won't even bring that up. But uh, his name has gone into history. That's right. That's rare. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, if, I had, if, if you hadn't seen that in Time magazine, you wouldn't believe me if I told you that. That's right. And you still think that I'm kidding about Monsieur Garbage. You do believe that. I'm bel- I, and I'm sure that you believe, you're, you're, you're firmly convinced that I make it up. The whole story about sex. And one day you're going to read it. You're going to read. It's going to be a long, big story about his 428th anniversary. It's going to appear in Newsweek. And you're going to forget I told you. And you're going to come and send me the piece and the clipping. Yeah, I know. All about that. Listen, I invented a kazoo, and idiots keep sending me notes about people who play kazoos. as if I, you know. But nevertheless, history uh, tends to be very boring. And uh, my head used to go to sleep in history class. That's all right, we got time. My head would go to sleep in history class. And, and on March the 7th, many eons ago, a traumatic experience happened to me as a result of the general boringness of history. I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, at that time, we were going through a thing called European history, which is, is even boring, more boring than real history. I'm going to tell you, we were going through all things like uh, like the uh, the Treaty of Ghent. Now, that was an exciting treaty, I'll tell you. It just made fantastic reading. Remember the, the, the Treaty of Ghent? That's spelled with a G-H, Ghent. Well... Uh, This teacher I had, uh, a a lady named Miss Breifogel, had a thing on dates, and you had to remember things like when the Treaty of Ghent was first proposed. Then later, you had had to write down when it was first and finally signed. Then we had to do something about what the date of the Hanseatic League was. Now, what the hell? The Hanseatic League. All I was interested in was the American and the National League. And she, you know, lays this Hanseatic League on us. And so... Uh, you know, all these dates. I was having trouble for, you know, remembering uh, Don Colloway's batting average, much less uh, trying to remember when they, you know, messed around and signed the Treaty of the War of the Roses, see? So I couldn't do... You know, it was a fantastic problem. So I figured out a tremendous... Actually, a tremendous way to solve the problem. I had a wristwatch. It was a West Clocks that had been given to me for Christmas. And I cut out... A small round piece of paper that fitted right over the wristwatch's face, and on the face, I wrote down the date that the Treaty of Ghent was proposed. I wrote down the date that the Hanseatic League was finally formed. What the chief batting averages and who the star pitchers were in the Hanseatic League. I wrote all this stuff down. See, and I'm sitting there doing, yeah. You know, and sure enough, all the questions come up on the exam, and I'm sitting there knocking them off. See and I'm keeping a sharp eye out, you know, and I'm writing all this stuff down. Everything's going groovy, and for the first time in my life, history is fun. You know, I'm just writing those dates down as fast as they're whipping them out on on, on the exam, see? When all of a sudden, I sense a presence behind me. I was caught up, you see, swept up in the excitement of writing the dates down, and a voice said, "Uh, Gene, would you please tell me what time it is? May I look at your watch? Oh, my God almighty. And she didn't, she just pulled my elbow back, and she took, oh, she says, I see, it is uh, August 15th, 1814. <laughs> I see. That's uh, that's a one of those date watches, too. It keeps dates, doesn't it? Well, uh, I felt an electric shock go through me. It was, it was just, you, you, you ever had that terrible feeling of suddenly being caught? It was an electric shock, literally. And I sat stunned. And I don't remember. You know, it was just like the, the lights went out. And five minutes later, I'm in the principal's office. And 15 minutes later, I'm home. I was home for one solid week. I was what they call expelled. <laughs> I had my own little spring vacation. Oh, I March 7th. Oh, beware the eyes of the March 7th. Yeah. Ooh. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith. He's got the news.